0: Welcome to Adventology, the podcast dedicated to helping you be ready for Jesus. Here now is the host of Adventology, Travis Walker.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Adventology. I hope you are doing well. I know it is a privilege that I get to spend this time with you every week. And uh, I know that life can sometimes throw us curveballs, and sometimes the expectations and hopes and dreams that we have take a detour or sometimes are changed altogether. And um, it can be difficult to process uh, the question of why, you know, when we're going through a disappointment. I know I'm going through a little bit of a disappointment right now in my own life and have been challenged to learn how to walk by faith through this challenge to to believe and understand that that God is at work, even though I can't always see it. And I know that it isn't until we get to the other side of these challenges sometimes that we really understand how God was in it when in the process it seemed like He wasn't or that He was silent or that He was... Um, distant even to a certain degree. And I am always encouraged when I hear other people's stories of faith. And so I hope that today's episode will um, provide a little hope for you. I invited uh, Pastor Courtney Jimenez to come on the episode today to talk about her journey as she Uh, not only accepted a call to ministry, but at the same time began to deal with something that none of us want to ever hear is that she had a brain tumor. And uh, there was a lot of uncertainty around how that would um, turn out and how she continued to hold on to her faith and not just believe, but become a witness to others as she Um, went through the process of preparing and going through the surgery. And so I'll let her tell that story, but uh, she's currently the pastor of Foster Church. She's the children's pastor there in Asheville, North Carolina. She's married. She has two beautiful children and one on the way. And the way I got to know Courtney was when I first moved to Daytona Beach, she was actually a member of my church. And she was at that time finishing up her degree in pastoral ministry. And so it's been so neat to see how God has led her and her husband up to North Carolina and how he provided this opportunity for her to serve in the church right where God placed them. So I know Courtney has always been an inspiration to me with her positive outlook, and I think it's a great interview to follow up what we talked about a couple weeks ago episode 52 with La Mountain, And if you missed that episode, I encourage you to check that out after you listen to um, today's episode with Courtney, because that was powerful. So without further ado, let's get right into the interview. Well, Courtney, it is so great to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing?
0: Good. I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited for the opportunity.
1: Yeah, I'm excited too, and I remember when you used to live down here in Daytona Beach, you attended my church, and we got to know each other, but you've uh, been up in North Carolina for a little while now, and a lot has happened since then, so uh, tell me a little bit about what you're up to, and uh, what, what are you looking forward to up this year in 2021?
0: Yeah, so um, we moved up to North Carolina, Western North Carolina, Asheville area in 2017. And um, uh, a little while into that, I started working for a church in Asheville Foster Church, and I'm the Children and Youth Ministries Director, and that's a whole lot of fun. I get to work with kids and youth, and which also kind of translates into the families and that's just so fun I get to be involved in the schools in the area We've got Mount Pisgah Academy and Fletcher Academy right here and um, they've both got elementary schools um, that are just so much fun to work with um, and then I I get to have my kids with me it's it's such a blessing the work that I get to do I feel so blessed that I have the flexibility to be with my kids and work in ministry and serve it's just it's really cool i'm so thankful for that and we're actually expecting a third kid here in late october so that's definitely what i'm looking forward to (laughs) most in 2021 (laughs) very excited for that for sure
1: i know yeah it was fun when we got to see each other a few weeks ago um your older daughter was uh or no, it was, it was, uh, it was your son. He was wearing it was
0: Daniel. Yeah. He, he would- was so pumped. He loved that big brother shirt. We got him. <laughs> he wore that for like three days straight. Like, where's my big brother shirt. Don't you want to watch that? No, I want to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I couldn't keep it off him. He was so excited. So yeah, you found out a little earlier than our public announcement there. Cause of Daniel's shirt. <laughs>
1: Well that's super exciting and I know that when you were living down here um you were you were doing pastoral ministry studies and it's so cool that God just opened that door for you to serve in that role um in a church right in your community there and I know God is yeah. is blessing that and and so yeah just kind of transitioning into that kind of journey for you I know you didn't grow up as a Seventh Day Adventist um but uh you know you have embraced it over the years so kind of share a little bit about your spiritual journey and discovering um you know the Adventist faith for yourself
0: yeah absolutely well when I was in high school I met this guy Ronnie who's now my husband (laughs) (laughs) and he was a Seventh-day Adventist and um for a long time well for a long time relatively speaking but um it, I was pretty resistant to it. Like, I'm not gonna start believing this because just because my boyfriend does, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change what I think just because that's what he believes. And, you know, kind of stubborn. And, um, I remember being really convinced and convicted of like the Sabbath message was like so clear to me. It was so obvious. And, um, and so, I was like searching for area churches, like non-denominational churches that worshiped on Saturday because I was so determined, like, I'm not going to be an Adventist just because he is. (laughs) Um, And I grew up Catholic. And so the whole, just a lot of different things, Ellen White and prophecy was like so weird to me and just, but I was so convicted of those real core foundational things like Sabbath. Um, it was a painful process at first to kind of embrace the state of the dead because my grandpa had just passed away and um I had like the um what's it called like the not bishop one of one of the um, ministry leaders at our church, uh, the Catholic church I grew up in um telling me to like Find a quiet time and quiet space and ask God to let him speak with you. And 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 so that was my experience is a relative dies and the comfort is, oh, they're with you, they're looking down on you. And so that was a really hard concept for me. But when I kind of realized um just that like that's so much more comforting, actually. You know, we don't have relatives watching us suffer and 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 experiencing the pain of the world still. They're just resting. It's they're asleep. It's so much more peaceful of a concept, I think. So those were the two like foundational beliefs that I found myself really embracing. And over time, you know, we'd go to church, we go to Adventist church and I worked at a restaurant and I started not working on Saturday, which they totally didn't buy that it was a religious thing. They're like, you just don't want to work on Saturdays anymore. <laughs> that was funny, a funny experience. Um, and it's funny, I was still even like teaching Sunday school to pre-K kids at our other church. So it was an interesting time for me, kind of going back and forth. And, um, but eventually, we, I moved to Florida after I graduated high school. Ronnie had moved down beforehand to be with his family and he was going to school there. And so, of course, I wanted to go to school in Florida. (laughs) Um, And uh, it was there that we did Bible studies together. And I went through like six months, I think, of Bible study with um, our pastor at the time. And I, you know, with every Bible study, I was more convicted and was a little less wary of, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's okay to come to this through Ronnie, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so we were actually, um, a really special experience. We actually were baptized together because even though he, um, was raised in the Adventist faith, he, he you know, had never been baptized. And so we actually had the opportunity to be baptized together. So that was really cool. So that's kinda of how I got into the Adventist church. Just it was a slow journey for me, kind of resisting, but um but God worked on my heart and I just wanted to, you know, something that really impacted me was our pastor had said, like what's important is Bible truth mm-hmm. and and that's what you need to be searching, not what the Adventist church is teaching. And that really impacted me and made me more open to it. And now I'm convinced that we have, you know, at least the closest thing available to the total truth of Scripture. And so that's always been my focus is what does Scripture say? What what that's like the highest authority. And so I've found a lot of comfort and I'm not just relying on this denomination to tell me what to believe, like kind of how growing up it felt. Um, but this is really, this is God's word speaking to me. So that's kind of how I, how I got into the, into the Adventist faith.
1: Yeah, it's so beautiful. And it is a journey and it's so cool that you just didn't say, oh, well, I love Ronnie. So I'm just going to you know <laughs> yeah. go through the different A, B, C, D, whatever I have to do so we can we can get married eventually, but it it became you made it, uh, you owned it, you be, made it your own, and I think, um, at least during the time I got to know you, it seemed like that blossomed, um, that belief in not just saying, oh, okay, I believe this, but it became a passion of yours, and you began to serve, and mm-hmm. and through that process, like, when did you start to feel your own call to ministry? Obviously, you're serving as a pastor now. And I'm imagining that wasn't necessarily in your thought process early in your spiritual journey. So um, as you became a part of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, when when did you um, start really embracing your, your call to ministry?
0: Yeah, well, I remember specifically um, being, sitting in the car with Ronnie in his parents' driveway and just saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I had started... Um, It was called Florida Hospital College, and I can't remember what it's called now. Um, It's a university even now, I think, in Orlando. And I was going to do sonography. And that first semester, I totally flunked out of A&P. And I was like, this is not for me. And um, I worked with kids my whole life. So I started working at daycares, and then I was nannying. And I remember sitting in the driveway with Ronnie, and I was like, I just... I just want to live my life just dedicated to God. Like I want that to be my priority. I want that to be what I do. I just want that to consume my life. And so I actually went to Andrew's for a couple of years um, in theology and, uh, Ronnie and I got married and I ended up getting pregnant and, We um, moved back down to Florida after I got pregnant so we could be close to his family. And he was going back to school and he still had Florida residency. So it was so much cheaper. And so I actually, after Emma was born, I think when she was about four months old or so, um, I started a degree online in Christian leadership and management. And at that point, I pictured myself working in an organization, maybe some kind of nonprofit or um, charity kind of situation. Um, but I was a stay at home mom. I loved, you know, being with the kids and raising them. And so it's interesting. It kind of all fell into place. I remember telling Ronnie when we moved here, I was like, I wonder, it would be so crazy if there was a church that needed like a children's ministry person or I was like, but that just doesn't exist. Like what I think what I would love to do, just I don't even think that exists. And then here I am. <laughs> it was put in my lap. So it really felt like God calling me at that moment where it was, you know, children and youth ministries. It was like, What really? Like, um, it just was it was amazing how that process how like just how that came about. And so I feel like um the calling really hit me when God presented this opportunity to me and it was like, here's this job that I described to Ronnie about this would be just the greatest thing, can you imagine if that existed? And then it was then it was there. So I knew, you know, right away that, wow, this is the right thing to be doing.
1: Amen. Yeah. And it's clear that that God has had a a call on your life, even though maybe you didn't hear it or see it at first. And and it's just so cool to see how he has led you and and so um you know but not every a section of the of the road is easy to walk and we all go through tough times and and so when did you um start experiencing these these headaches and what did that actually um you you know as you began to explore what uh-huh. what was causing that kind of when kind of bring us into that part of your life.
0: Yeah, so um I actually since um probably the beginning of high school so for many years I experienced um migraines and um I kind of would have like it's hard to explain but like kind of like flashing lights Um, my vision would be distorted and like bright light. And so it was really strange. And I remember going to an eye doctor and they're like, Oh, well, that's not us, you know, that's in your head. Um, And so my doctor had said, um, I think like, you know, my primary care doctor said, Oh, well, you know, that is just a migraine symptom. You might be having ocular migraines and Um, that was kind of that. And then as the years go on, they got more frequent and I tried to pinpoint different triggers and was careful with smells and, you know, trying to figure out like what's triggering these migraines and whatnot. And so then I even remember, um, you know, I think it was when I was pregnant with Emma, my doctor said, well, why haven't you gotten that checked out? You need to get that checked out. (laughs) Because in my mind, it was like, that's just how it is. I just have chronic migraines. It's Mm -hmm. just me. Um, Because I had known people, including my mom, that had had chronic migraines. It's just a thing for some people. So I was like, you know, I just didn't give it as much thought. I thought that was just a symptom that I had with that. So um, they sent me to a neurologist and I spoke with the neurologist. And had logged like the frequency of migraines and the pain intensity and all these kinds of things. And she was like, well, you know, you're pregnant, so we can't really do as much testing as we would do with, you know, other people. But I think that you're okay. I'm not sure I would recommend an MRI or anything or a, a CT scan. I think that you know, you're not having them frequently enough to to go to that level of testing, and you know she offered medication, but once again, I was pregnant, so I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm not going to take migraine medication while I'm pregnant." Um, you know, even Tylenol is like I tried to avoid, so I'm not taking that. Mm-hmm. So then um, it just kept on, and you know, it was one of those things where that was kind of the last time I addressed it. I just thought once again, like that's just. I just have chronic migraines and it was really hard. They were, you know, I couldn't drive sometimes. It was pretty debilitating often. And, um, we moved back up to North Carolina and I was actually in the process of interviewing and going through the hiring process of this job opportunity. I was just describing and in, uh, February of 2018, um, like two weeks before my interview with like the Carolina conference, um, I was getting, it was actually, I was doing like a test run of worship at the school here. And I remember like having such a bad migraine and all the visual problems. And I was like, Ronnie, can you please drive me to the worship? Because I'm like, I'm not going to blow this, you know, <laughs> like I'm uh... not going to miss this. And so I was like, can you just drive me and I'll just deal with it, you know, for this bit. And uh, Because I had gotten used to kind of just forcing myself to do things, even with these vision problems, because if I didn't, I would not do much at all. And so I had had this migraine for a few days now at this point. And so as we're driving, I realized that I was having double vision, which had never happened to me before. And so I was like, Ronnie, I'm having double vision. I don't know. I don't think I can do this. Uh, So I had to cancel and I felt horrible because I was like, I can't believe it. What a bad first impression, you know, I'm canceling at the last second. Um, And of course the principal and my pastor were like, seriously, it's fine. Like that's no big deal. Um, But I still felt so bad. And so we went home and this double vision and this migraine would not go away. And I remember specifically This was a Wednesday and it was Valentine's Day because I was doing uh, like I remember having my whole thing planned out for the kids. And then it was Friday that I finally called my mom and I was like, mom, because my parents live in the area. I was like, mom, I don't I don't know how long I'm supposed to deal with this double vision and this migraine before I do something about it. So. I had her take me to the hospital and it was funny because I go into the hospital and the person at the desk is like asking me why I'm there. And I'm like, well, I have a migraine. It's kind of, they kind of looked at me like you're at the ER because of the headache, you know? Um, and so I went through that process and they gave me medication. It wasn't helping. Um, and then the doctor had me go for a CT scan and he came back and was like, well, I know why the meds aren't helping. (laughs) Um, He said, it looks like you have a cyst in your, in your brain. And I was like, what? Um, But at that time I'm thinking cyst is like, you know, I don't know what that meant, but it wasn't really freaky. I don't know. It just, and maybe it was because they had me on medication. (laughs) But, um, but so then I did an MRI and they looked and, It it was a full-on, this huge baseball size basically, tumor. Um, And I remember this poor girl. She was obviously a resident that was new. She was super young. And this poor girl, you could tell, was so uncomfortable and so stressed because she was the one. They had her tell me um, that it was a tumor. And I remember just being kind of like nodding my head like okay okay and she left the room and I just broke down like Uh. what is happening what and um and so yeah they were asking me questions like and trying to figure out like where did this even come from and as I'm giving my history ultimately they believe it was a just a super slow growing childhood tumor that just was left undiagnosed and so um so my brain kind of, you know, developed with it, you know, as it grew, but there was just so much pressure and that's where all the pain was coming from. And it was of course in my ocular, um, um, what's it called? Um, you know, like I said, I failed out of a p but it was, you know, that's why it was affecting my vision and everything. And so, um, you know, they were like, well, you you need surgery. And so I went to a surgeon and, um he talked all over with me and the following meet, week um or week and a half on March 1st it was March 1st i went in for a craniotomy and and they um they removed that brain tumor and it's there was so much pressure this is kind of gross maybe too much information but it was so there was so much pressure from just the size of the tumor and you know, just in my head that as soon immediately when they opened, they said like half of it just kinda like pushed out. Like thankfully it was right at the surface. So it wasn't difficult to get to. There wasn't it was it was right there. So but yeah, that surgery went really well. And here I am today. It's been, you know, three years now.
1: Wow. And I remember when we were um, chatting last time we saw each other and the thing that really stuck out in my mind was what you said, the true miracle of the whole experience for you wasn't as much the result of the surgery, which, praise God, was successful and and like you said, but Share with do you remember what you said to me about prior to the surgery and, and what
0: Yeah. You, yeah, because I, I thought that was
1: really amazing um what you said. So yeah, just share like at you know your your how your you know what you went through with your relationship with God in between learning about this and then actually going through the surgery.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, so after that initial breakdown of kind of like what is reality right now. Uh, I, I just kind of, you know, had this peace about everything, you know, people, I remember after the fact, people saying, you know, um, God saved you, and you have a purpose, and he wanted you here. And I've always thought, like, well, he wouldn't be any different if I didn't make it. Um, What the miracle was for me was that he provided that that peace that surpasses understanding, that verse in Philippians just just really stuck with me, that just that peace that surpasses understanding, it's in Philippians 4. And um, I actually jotted down to share, I love the contemporary English version. um, I love reading that translation. And um, it says, then because you belong to Jesus, um, God will bless you, with peace that no one can completely understand. And this peace will control the way you think and feel. And so that was what I experienced. And part of it was this whole thing was so ridiculously out of my control. (laughs) Mm. I tend to be a worrier and a planner. And when things don't happen how I wanted them to, that's stressful to me. And So this experience was, I had to completely let go. There was nothing I could do completely out of my power. And it was just all in God's hands. And he provided that peace for me. So I'm thankful that I survived, of course, and all of that. But the true miracle for me was really having this peace, this calm. I was not afraid. I remember I said before, surgery, you know, someone asked me, I don't know if they asked me if I was afraid, but something came up to where I said, it's going to be okay. When I wait, I was telling Ronnie, I was like, when I wake up, I'll see you or I'll see Jesus. And so it was just, I've just had this complete peace and calm about it. And that, that for me was just so huge because I had never really experienced that much peace in my life before. Um. So that was that was so powerful to me because, you know, if if I hadn't made it, that wouldn't have changed God's goodness, you know, and it's like I've always struggled with people telling me that he saved me because, well, what about all the people that didn't make similar situations that don't survive illnesses and, and cancer and all of these things. And I think the focus for me is, and this has changed my perspective in life a lot, is that I don't think things happen, especially illnesses and things don't happen at the direct hand of God. I feel like he can take those types of situations. He can take that and use it. And if you allow him to use you um, to share with others and, and use that experience for something good, that's where the purpose comes out of it. And um like, I don't, I don't believe that God put that tumor in my head. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I think we live in a sinful, broken world. And that's just a natural consequence of living in an imperfect world right now. There are illnesses and diseases and tumors and And that is just a result, a natural result of sin. The wages of sin is death. And so I don't, um, I don't see that being God's fault. And when people don't make it, I don't think that's God saying, well, you don't have much of a purpose. So I'm going to let you go and save this person. (laughs) You know, like I, I think that when, when it works out, he really can use people when, when they're open to it and, I just remember in the hospital, um, you know, just just I'd never been more like happy and on fire for God. And again, it wasn't because I made it through that. It was because, oh, my goodness, he's he's just there. He's so good. And and that peace. And I was just thankful for life. And um, I know that I talked with a lot of nurses and doctors about those things. And that was just, it was a really cool experience to, I was in the hospital for three days. Um, and, uh, that was just, it was a really cool experience. Those were a good three days, honestly.
1: (laughs) Wow. So when you woke up and you realized you were alive and you see your family and your kids and, you know, you're still so young and you have so much life, how do you how how has this um, experience, you know, you kind of hinted at it, but that it's changed your perspective and, and your walk with God, but just how has that experience, um, you know, changed or just enhanced your view of God and your relationship with God and just um, your ministry in general?
0: Yeah, so like I said, it really impacted how I viewed pain and suffering and, um, and life. And I just, it's given me such an appreciation for, well, life itself, just being alive is such a gift. Um, and so just, just having that alone, just, you know, looking, being able to look at my children and hug them and, um, there's just so many experiences like that, that I have a deeper appreciation for, I think. And um, realizing that, you know, I need to seize this, this opportunity of life and use it for good. Um, You know, I don't have to be, you know, chained down to, to this sin and, and brokenness in the world. I can. Be a part of something bigger. I can be a part. I can be a part of God's plan. I can allow Him to work through me to, to serve um, Him and share about Him and that sort of thing. And and you know the letting go of thinking everything is directly. I know this is kind of strange, but letting go of everything is so directly caused by God that has given me peace that He promises He'll. He'll get us through it. Um, And I love, like I said, referring back to that verse in Philippians, when you back up, it says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer up to your prayers and requests to God. And then, because you belong to Christ Jesus, God will bless you with the peace and all that. So that to me is like, it's out of our control completely. We need to be thankful and pray and then just trust and Mm. And God gives that peace to us. And that's again, that's the miracle is that we can have peace in in Jesus and peace in in the midst of all the mess we're living in. And so that to me is just I recently had a friend um, have a miscarriage and she was telling me. I know that God is good and will be glorified, she said, but if one more person tells me that this was his plan, Mm. I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) She's like, why would he do like, she's like, I just, why, why? And this is one of the most faithful people I've ever met. And I was like, this is, this is the story of Job. You know, we live in a broken world and there's things like this happen. And that doesn't mean God wanted that to happen or thought, well, this will be good for you. You know, I think that death again is, is the the wages of sin is death. And I told her, I was like, God didn't want that to happen. Death wasn't his original plan. You know, he created us without that. And it's because of the fallen nature of our world that things like this happen. I said, but now you have the choice to use that experience. How can you use that for good? And how can you um, use it to glorify him? And, and she was really comforted by that. And I find so much comfort in that, that, you know, this is, this is Satan's business, all of this evil and death and suffering. That's, that's not of God. And, he provides the peace for us to get through that and to make it through difficult times and, and tragedies. He, he provides the peace to get through it.
1: Wow. I really appreciate that thought because I think that is the essence of, um, you know, the presence of God, the presence of Christ or the presence Mm -hmm. of the Holy spirit. Um, you know, he, he talks about peace, um, even when he would appear to his disciples, you know, he would start out by saying, "Peace, you know, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, don't be afraid. I'm with you." You know, when he was in yeah. the, when the boat with the disciples and and the and the rain and the waves and the wind were blowing them, and and they came and and uh, he he just got up and said, "Peace, be still," and everything, you know, became calm. and And I, I think that is just. Um, I can remember my own conversion and I can remember when I truly repented from the depths of my heart uh, Mm -hmm. for the first time and just how peace just flooded my soul. It was like an, it was an experience. Mm -hmm. And and I didn't even know that I was so burdened until I experienced that peace. And it was like, wow, I didn't even know this was possible. And so I think that peace that passes understanding is 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 available to us right every day it's available to us when we're burdened with with guilt it's it's available when we're burdened with with fear it's available when we're burdened with with worry about the future um and what i hear you saying is that it's it's there even in the times when when other people think you should be afraid or they they can't imagine you know what you're going through. And yet, because you had Christ in your heart, the spirit was there in such a way, not only did it give you peace, but like you were saying, you were able to, in essence, be a be a witness with that peace. People were like, amazed, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, it was really funny. Some of the hospital staff, like, Oh my goodness. You're, why are you so happy? Um, most of their patients, you know, it's unusual for someone so young to, to go through something like this. And they were, you know, so, so like, I remember, I don't remember who it was, might've been a family member telling me, you need to be more quiet because the whole, the whole floor is, is um, people that are fairly non-responsive, or um, really elderly, and so the nurses loved coming to my room because I'd be like, "Hi, how are you?" You know, they're like, "You're the only one that's really awake." <laughs> and so I was able to share so much um, love for God, and and you know, I even had someone ask, "So where do you go to church?" And you know, so and that was a really cool experience to be able to to be able to offer that and know that it you know it wasn't about me you know being happy; it was all about God being there you know and just that that peace and excitement um, was what was really what was really happening there that was really cool Wow
1: so I'm sure there's somebody listening right now who you know is going through a difficult time maybe it's a it's a health issue maybe it's a an addiction maybe it's something to do with their their child and they feel like they they don't have control. Of their life. They don't have control of their health. They, they, they love their child, but they obviously can't control their behavior. And, Mm -hmm. and they're just burdened with, with, uh, worry about the future and they know they should have, um, faith in God, but they're struggling. And, and, and maybe with some of these questions about like, why, and I I hear that a lot. I hear, and and you've been talking about it, but just kind of, uh, you know, as we kind of get to the end of this interview, just what would you say to that person individually, just that, that is asking that question of why, um, as we, uh, kind of get to the end of this interview?
0: Yeah. Well, I have just fallen in love with the book of Job, Because the book of Job is our story from start to finish, right? We start with this accusation of Satan um, challenging God's character. And, you know, well, this person only worships you because he is blessed, which, which in a way Satan's accusing some form of bondage. Like you're manipulating this person into worshiping you. And it ends with a restoration. And the whole book is about... You know, what happens isn't always directly related to your behavior. And so it's kind of it seems contradictory in the end then for Job to be rewarded. Right. Because he was allowed to suffer for no reason other than to prove to Satan, God's character to allow Satan to affect him. And so that is really just a pure gift. It wasn't earned by Job. It was a gift of grace. And that's where that's that's where we end. That's where our story ends um with with Christ in eternity is that's not because we earned it it's a gracious gift from God and so from start to finish job is so powerful to me and and what i would say to anyone listening that's struggling and having a difficult time with faith job was all like cursing the day of his birth like you know he was devastated and confused and and just a complete mess and had friends that weren't super encouraging, you know, and, um, he just was miserable, but he still was considered to not have sinned against God. And so I think we get so freaked out when we're having a hard time with faith or when we're not feeling it, you know, like we think we're supposed to, but it's okay. You know, look at Job and how faithful he was, but he was like, you know, like I said, cursing the day of his birth. and like, what's the point of this? Why is this happening to me? And it ends with God saying, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? We're not meant, we can't understand, we can't grasp. And I, I never realized until I studied it more that the book of Job ends and all is restored. But God never explains to Job why he was allowed to suffer. Mm -hmm. And so we have this beautiful gift that we see we have the ability to see that bigger picture we are able to to see that it was because satan was accusing god's character and god allowed this to happen in order to show you know that he's worthy of worship regardless of the circumstances because he's created us he did lay the foundations of the earth and so i think that to me is a huge encouragement and it's not like my life's been perfect and I've been totally at peace all the time, 24-7 since that surgery, you know. I have joke moments, but at the end of the day, I know and trust that, you know, I don't know the big picture. I don't know how much of this is God saying, okay, Satan, you know, like, go ahead, test her, you know. And I think it's so important that we just hold on and even when, we're not, when we don't feel um, that we're super close to God, or we don't feel that strong peace and faith. That that doesn't mean He's not there, and it doesn't mean He's not worthy of worship, and it doesn't mean you're terrible. It doesn't mean you're necessarily sinning against Him. Um, it just means you're in a place where you know we have to you have to try to humble yourself and and really trust in God's character, and obviously just studying Scripture and all of the stories in Scripture is just really a huge help. We can relate to so many of these stories. And like I said, Job has just been my favorite because it's not only encouraging that God's got our back and that the suffering has does have a purpose. Um this is this is the whole picture of salvation, the whole the whole picture of this great controversy. And that's just that's so cool to me. But that's that's what I would say is just don't feel too guilty when you're struggling, you know, but just keep hanging there. And um, ultimately, ultimately, we're going to be receiving that that gift of grace and and everything's going to be restored.
1: Wow. What an inspiring story. I hope you were blessed as much as I was and encouraged in your faith to keep trusting God no matter what you may be dealing with right now in your life. And if you want to reach out to Courtney, I have her contact information in the show notes. So you can just click on that and connect to her on social media or find her YouTube channel. Or you can go visit her at Foster Church in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm sure she would enjoy hearing from somebody who heard her testimony and was blessed. And if you have been, I want to encourage you to share this episode with whoever you may think might need to hear this. Um, You can post it on your social media. You can share it by email. There are so many different ways you can share Adventology with the ones you love and the ones that you care about because that's what we're here for. We're here to provide encouragement, and we're here to help people be ready for Jesus. So um, if you could leave a rating and review, that would be so amazing because it helps us reach other people. The more people who leave reviews and let us know, um, how they've been blessed by it. Um, the, the reach continues to grow around the world, and it's amazing to me to see how many people, um, not just here in North America, but around the world are being touched by these episodes and how the Lord continues to work through this ministry. So thank you for your support. Um, you can always reach out to me at Travis at Adventology.com. If you have a comment or suggestion, I'd love to hear from you. I also want to encourage you to go to our website, adventology.com. If you would like to sign up for our our newsletter, you can scroll down to the bottom and sign up, and we send out a a bi-monthly newsletter that keeps you up to date with what's going on here. Uh, Most of all, though, we just want you to be ready for Jesus, and we want you to know that that is our goal, is to continue to provide content that assists in that process. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. I look forward to seeing you back here on our next episode of Adventology. Until then, Maranatha.